welcome to a very special 400th episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Yes, we've been doing this podcast for 400 straight weeks. And if you don't know by now, <laughs> my name is Mike and his name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Yes, 400 episodes of this Media Boat Podcast, which is, by the way, a podcast that brings you news and thoughts about movies, music, television, and video games, but not necessarily in that order. I don't know. It's been a while since we switched up that order. I know. Um, but today, like I still say not necessarily in that order. Yes, because we can do it in whatever order we see fit. So yes. today is September the 12th, 2023. As you said, this is episode 400, so why don't we just go right into it and do what we do best, which is talk about everything under the sun, news, reviews, etc. Yeah, well, we're going to start episode 400 like we always do with the music section. Yes. Start the music section with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And your number one song is, no, not a country song. Praise, praise, not a country song. Yeah, not a country song. Unless you count Doja Cat as country now, because no. Paint the Town Red <laughs> by Doja Cat is your number one song. Yep. Uh, at number two, I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan, but really it's because it's featuring Casey Musgraves. Uh, at four, Fast Car by Luke Combs. Uh, sorry, at three, Fast Car by Luke Combs. At four, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. And we're having to get your top five. Last night by Morgan Wallen. Yep. All right. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200 at number one is Zach Bryan by Zach Bryan. We'll get to Zach Bryan a little bit later. Uh, at number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. At three, Utopia by Travis Scott. Coming in at four and straight to the heartstrings of everyone out there. Songs you know by heart. Colin, Jimmy Buffett's greatest hits. Hit. Hits. There's an S in parentheses there. Yes. Uh, by Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, that's got the bump from his um, death from a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And rounding out your top five, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. So yeah, Parrot Heads are clearly getting that Jimmy Buffett bump right there. Yes, so yeah, the two big stories this week out of Billboard, yeah, is uh, Jimmy Buffett's just saying hi on the uh, the 200 list there. And then, uh, yeah, as for the uh, 100, yeah, Doja Cat's number one hit actually is relevant uh, when you consider that there was a little bit of a drought of a hip-hop slash rap uh, single being at number one. It had been a while. As you mentioned, it had been dominated by country in the last few months. So um, exciting to see uh, Doja Cat back up top because it definitely makes all those doomsayers about like, oh, rap is like not as popular as it used to be. It kind of hushes that conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. A lot of them this week. Yes, and one that you're looking forward to, starting with The Land is Inhospitable. And so are we by Mitski. Congratulations, new Mitski album on the way. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Friday. Uh, we also have Strange Disciple by Nation of Language, Perennial by Woods, 
Sorry I Haven't Called by Vagabond, Stone by Baroness, End by Explosions in the Sky. Hey, Explosions in the Sky is back. Yeah. Um, we also have The Love Album, colon, Off the Grid by Diddy. Is that Diddy Diddy? Yes, that Diddy. That Diddy. Yes. That Diddy done a new album. <laughs> uh, also, Bluegrass by Willie Nelson. Yes, that Willie Nelson, who we will mm-hmm. talk about in a bit here. Yes. Uh, Magic 3 by Nas. Yes, that Nas with an mm-hmm. album. Uh, Trust Your Gut by Warriors. Revamped by Demi Lovato. Yes, Demi Lovato's out with a new album. And my understanding about that one is that is a bunch of re-recordings, Taylor's version much, of her previously recorded songs, but with a rock edge. Is that why it's re-amped? Re-amped. Yeah. With the amped, like, clearly in there? I think that you're right. I think that's what she was going for there. Uh, well, on the opposite side of that spectrum, there's Silence Between Songs by Madison Beer. Uh, there's also Brothers Osborne by Brothers Osborne with their self-titled album, but not their debut album. No. I think this is our fourth album, I believe. Okay. Um, so many albums to get to because we also have It's the End of the World, But It's a Beautiful Day by 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> 30 Seconds to Mars is back. Uh, someone let Jared Leto back into a <laughs> studio album? I guess so. All right. There's also, uh, if you don't listen to that, there's also Victor in all caps by Vic Mensa. Posthuman colon next gen by Bring Me the Horizon. Yes. That <laughs> Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, there's also Confessions of the Fallen by Stained. <laughs> There's a throwback album. Yeah, it's here. a weird week. It's like everyone just put your album out now. Yeah. Uh, because we also have The Devil Always Collects by Brian Setzer. <laughs> Not his orchestra, just him. Yes. <laughs> Movie of the Week by Shaky Graves. Ram by Wheeler Walker Jr. Black Rainbows by Corinne Bailey Ray. Wish Upon a Star by Herb Alpert. In Flight by Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, those Bare Naked Ladies. Unlike <laughs> those Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. And lastly, Play in all caps by R.L. Grime. <laughs> yep, a lot of different things. So much. So I think there's at least something for someone out here to, to, to listen to. Uh, whether you want your, your rock, your hip hop, your Demi Lovato, your <laughs> country, your Mitski, uh, even your bare naked ladies, or you can just continue listening to Olivia. But we'll get that to that later. Hold hold your thoughts on that. <laughs> we'll get there. But first, we'll there. we got to talk about the newest sensation on the Billboard, Zach Bryan. Yeah, uh, he had a sorry. weird week. Turns yeah. Out. Well. He was Bill Booked, possibly. <laughs> All right, so country star 
and current number one album holder on the Hot to- Hot 100 or Hot 200 country star Zach Bryan was arrested on charges of obstruction of ju- investigation yes. in Oklahoma Thursday, according to multiple news reports. He was released on bond later in the day. Commenting on the incident after his release, Brian owned up to being, quote, out of line with police. He said on uh, X Twitter X, quote, today I had an incident with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Emotions got the best of me, and I was out of line in the things I said. I support law enforcement as much as anyone can. I was just frustrated in the moment. It was unlike me, and I apologize. They brought me to jail, and there is a mugshot of me still floating around. Prayers we can all move on from this, and prayers people know I'm just trying the best I can. I love you guys, and I'm truly sorry to the officers. End quote. He did go on, eventually elaborated on the incident, which basically amounted to him mouthing off to police officers in a five-minute video post. I feel like this is going to be one of those stories that, depending on who you are, is going to hit you different ways. <laughs> like, I feel like the people who, like, want to believe that Zach Bryan is not a stereotypical country guy he's not morgan wallen like they're gonna be like see that he's cool because he was like mouthing off to a cop and he got arrested then there's gonna be the other part of this conversation which is like there's like wow how could he how could he do that i knew he wasn't one of us kind of thing (laughs) it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out but he did deal with it very quickly and he made a public comment right away and he says, oh, I, I still like, like, I did what I can, like, with the officers. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's just that, I don't know, it comes across to me pretty wishy-washy, the statement. Like, hey, Zach Bryan, blink twice if you were <laughs> abused by the police and they're telling you to make the statement. Right. Like, what actually happened here? I mean, I'm going to take a... I'm going to take him on face value here. Maybe he just was had a few drinks and he was just being a jerk. It happens to us all, I guess. Yes, we to just don't get police arrested. officers in Oklahoma yeah. and booking on obstruction of investigation, which is in itself a very loose-fitted <laughs> um, charge of what exactly are you investigating then? Yeah. It's not honestly that big of a story. It was just something that happened this week. And it's only important because of how prominent he is right now on the charts. And Mm -hmm. like, but besides that, it seems like kind of a non-event. But I feel like people are going to use this to forward their own narratives about Zach Bryan. You say that now until he comes out with his next country song saying, I apologize. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ode to police officers. (laughs) <laughs> well, see, if his current song is I Remember Everything, right? then what's his next song going to be? Yeah. I Forgot What I Said. I Forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. Speaking um, of country music. Yep, this rolls right into our second story and bigger story of country music biggest weekend. Sorry, second biggest weekend. <laughs> oh, sorry. Biggest weekend outside of Nashville. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. That's probably more accurate. With Stagecoach lineup officially getting announced. Yes. So for the 2024 Stagecoach Festival lineup, which will take place in 
Indio, California has been announced. And for the first time headliner, we have Morgan Wallen joining Eric Church and Miranda Lambert, who are both making their returns on on the April 26th and 28th days. Dates. Mm. Also on this, Post Malone, who may be the most surprising name on this bill, as although his affection for country has been well known, he has not made appearances at country fests in the past. In fact, the hip-hop turned pop star will be turning up on the middle night of the festival, performing what is being described as a, quote, special set of country covers. Um, also on the bill on the bill this week or this this year, Willie Nelson, as we just mentioned with his new album, uh, he'll be the biggest veteran on the bill with his ninety year old icon making return to stagecoach in his long recorded absence, and I believe he'll be also appearing on his birthday, which we make it his ninety first birthday at stagecoach. I mean, it makes sense. He'll have an album that he has new material to play from. And um, yeah, I don't blame him for wanting to do this at least one more time uh, while he still can. Good for Willie. And on his birthday, no less. That's fun. As for Post Malone, I think that's interesting. Um, I think that, like I said, when we were talking about his album from this year, Austin, is that he's best when he's not doing rap, rap or hip hop. Right. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see what his favorite country songs are and what he wants to cover and his influences from the country uh, that he grew up with. Like, that's really cool. And I think that, that will be a showcase of his strengths. And yes, uh, the Morgan Wallen thing is a little disappointing. It sounds to me that uh golden golden voice is that the name of the organization they're now i guess you know willing to just move past his previous um public uh issues and just now treat him like any other artist since this is our 400th episode can we at least go over now why we keep saying morgan wallen why we don't like him I mean, yeah, he was just very, like, uh, there were, you know, those videos that uh, surfaced of him um, using the N-word, and then after that, he kind of didn't really apologize for it, still. Um, He kind of was, like, believed he was the target of cancel culture and kind of rode that wave and brought along the people um, who supported him um, to basically propel him to number one status. And I think that, yeah, so if we're bitter, that's why. <laughs> uh, I believe there's also the COVID incident mm-hmm. that he had with SNL in October of 2020, 2020 2021. Uh, it was 21, I think. 21, okay, because so I think it was right after the, um, the uh, racist comments came out not following COVID protocols at the time. Right. And then SNL cut him that week <laughs> because of it. Yeah. Seems like recurring, just recurring themes of this guy, just doing whatever the hell he wants and not really considering um, the repercussions of it. Uh, but yeah, I guess it just at this point, like people have memories of goldfishes and they're just willing to just ignore it and just move on with them because of how popular he is. Um, though the, 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 yeah, it was nice though to see Miranda returning as a headliner, mm-hmm. uh, because she deserves it. 
Um, I didn't other, see the rest of this bill. Did you have any names that you wanted to point out that you were yes, happy to see? Other, um, in the country, Post Malone is going to be there in Jelly Roll. Yeah. Uh, being there uh, that Friday night. Uh, same they... with Rob Schneider's daughter. Oh, right. L. King. L. King is and a country I will always now. bring that up. Whenever I see L. King, <laughs> I will bring up that she's Rob Schneider's daughter. <laughs> uh, other standouts include Dwight Yoakam, uh, Haley Witters, oh, cool. Leon Bridges. Um, we went over Willie Nelson. Um, let's see here. Hardy going to be there as well. Uh, the Beach Boys on hmm. Sunday. And Clint Black. Oh. They're on Sunday as well. Wow. Um, and for the Honky Tonk Desert Midnight Show that they're going to do. We have special guests of Diplo making his return again. All right. Wiz Khalifa <laughs> stumbling around somewhere. I don't. I think he's in the wrong weekend. Someone told but him then, that uh, there was weed, and then he wanted to show up. No, no. So, well, he might be confused, but they have to pull the weeds from the previous week. But, <laughs> uh, but also, Nickelback will be there as stagecoach. They were also just recently uh, part of the Toronto Film Festival. I don't know if you yep. saw this. Yeah. I don't know anymore. <laughs> All bets are off with Nickelback. Um, so, yeah, overall, do you think this is a strong lineup? Um, are you excited for this? I mean, I'm assuming you will not be attending for the first time in years. Uh, I will not be attending Sunday, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> at least yes at least whether going the other two days is still up in the air right. did not buy the tickets because we wanted no. to wait to see what the lineup was mm -hmm. i did not buy the pre-sale now that we have it still kind of up in the air of whether or not we'll actually go i think we'll at least go out to the desert for it but whether we'll actually go to stagecoach this year yeah still questionable um yes. but there hey, are factors. will still be there so yeah there are new factors uh to consider Yes, so. one being Morgan Wallen is a headliner. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Anyway. Anyways, I mean, the other being that we saw Eric Church and Miranda Lambert most recently, especially after most recent albums of Eric Church being Heart, Ampersand, Soul, right. and Miranda Lambert being Palomino. Although she right. will be playing at the Palomino at Stagecoach, she'll be playing <laughs> on the main stage, so. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but um, both of those albums, liked, loved, saw them yeah. in the concert because of those albums. So it does feel like we just saw them too. So it's not like, oh, we have to go to Stagecoach because they're here. Right. I don't know. Like, like you said, Fair enough. six years in a row, might be time to skip a year. And you don't have to get a complete like record. This is not like you're trying to earn an achievement or a trophy. <laughs> like No one is telling you to do this. It sounds like a combo breaker. You have to start all over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your multiplier will end. You have a six times multiplier going. Anyway. I know, except it doesn't work on discounts. Oh, that's the other thing. Stagecoach <laughs> uh, raised their prices this year. It's now, uh, I think, $500. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't go to see. that. What, let me see here. Uh, yeah, so pre-sale was at $400 plus fees. Uh, right now, general admission is $430 plus nope. fees. Nope, 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 nope. Not worth it. Uh, that's without the shuttle pack. So shuttle combo currently will run you at $520 plus fees. That's uh, For your much. ticket and a shuttle. It's too much. I think that's too much, yeah. That's why also why we kind of like, uh, maybe let's wait and see. Maybe not. All right. 
All right. Uh, so, with that out of the way, it's time to talk about next week's. Is it going to be next week? Yeah, next week's yeah. number one album. Should be. Yeah. Yes. Uh, guts. Let's we, talk about we Guts. Got it. We got it. We, finally we got have it. it. Yes. So, Olivia Rodrigo, I believe Sour was our favorite album of 2021. Here What's at that? the Media Boat Podcast. Yes, that was 2021. Yes. Um, an artist that just came out of like not nowhere, but uh relative obscurity for someone like us who didn't watch all of high school musical, the musical, the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and kind of took the world by storm, automatically became a huge pop star, uh sought was seen as kind of the next in like a lineage of like pop stars, including Taylor Swift and Lord, who she's very clearly influenced by, as well as like Haley Williams of Paramore. And yeah, Sour was a very good record that really established what Olivia could do very quickly. And it kind of gave us an idea as like, oh, she could do these ballads like Driver's License. But she can also do stuff influenced by her heroes of like rock and pop punk. Like she showed like a little bit of an edge uh, musically that uh, we weren't expecting from her with Sour. And um, yeah, songs like Good For You and Brutal kind of really showed that up. So I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that her second album, Guts, is very much leaning into her strengths. Um, Guts is largely a pop punk record with a handful of ba- like with like a few ballads sprinkled in there. And honestly, I think it's even better than Sour. Um, I think this is a statement record. I think this is her saying, this is the artist I want to be, making the music she wants to make. And already it has made a seismic impact. Like critically, it's already become one of the like best reviewed records of the year. Um, like, I think a lot of people are reacting, like being like, Hey, Olivia's here and she's not going anywhere. This is the the pop star we need right now. And I'm happy for her. You're right. Sour was our combined, uh, media boat podcast Mm -hmm. album of the year for 2021. Um, there is a saying in Hollywood and in the music industry as well, that you have your entire life to create your first piece of media. (laughs) You only have two years to create your second following it and here we are two years post that and she took what she did from sour which as we mentioned it did feel like it was a smattering of ideas that she wanted to be of i wanted to be this i like this i like that Mm -hmm. and here's guts kind of more of a honed in olivia rodrigo saying Mm -hmm. this is the stuff that i want to talk about Mm -hmm. this is stuff that i want to listen to on the radio stuff that i want to say and you're right, it is a statement record, especially being mm-hmm. a, uh, her sophomore album. Yeah. Uh, and I think titling it Guts is very apt, <laughs> uh, especially for the stuff that she does get into, yeah. um, especially when you lead off with All-American. Like, we can say bitch, right? Yeah, we're, we're yeah. explicit here. <laughs> we can. We can, yeah. Yeah, so, no, like, yeah, from the top, it's already, like, talking about the double standards of of what she's expected to be this person that she's expected to act as and talking about like like yeah like i'm not that person i never will be that person instead this is who i actually am and she's funny that that goes right into a bad idea right where she literally is taking all those like bad idea thoughts and putting them into songs like yeah i'm not going to be the all-American girl that you think I am. I'm going to be this rough, yeah. edgy, 
complex person with all these emotions and, and thoughts and feelings. Things, yeah, one of the things we talked about back when we talked about Sour a couple of years ago was how there's this easy tendency for people to be like, oh, well, these are teenage problems sung and uh, sung by a teenager and they're not relatable. But the thing that Olivia is able to do is make these teenage situations feel universal and relatable. Because, yeah, obviously the scenario in Bad Idea Right is not something necessarily all of us have experienced. I'm going to guess. Uh, that being said, that ambiguity that which she revisits later on um, uh, Get Him Back, yep. that ambiguity of being like, well, I still have nostalgia for this person. I still like this person. I want to hang out with them and interact with them, but I shouldn't. And I actually hate them and I want revenge. Like that duality is very relatable. And like, I feel like that's the kind of thing she's trying to do with this record is talk about the nuance of young adulthood, the expectations, the weight on your shoulders, the feeling that you have when you're in the middle of something. And it's not just black and white. Like, it's not as simple as, well, I just don't, then I just won't talk to this person or, oh, like, it's not just simple as like, oh, I can't like, as I can just, avoid beauty standards pervasive beauty standards in media and in in culture no it's not that easy it's not just something you can turn off or turn on there's nuance in it and there's living with it there's living within these things and i think one of olivia's gifts is that she can communicate the complication of it in a relatable and fun and witty way without it feeling like it's too preachy or too like predictable or cliche um, and honestly, doing it in a way that doesn't feel derivative of artists that preceded her. Um, I wrote up a, 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 a thoughts post on MediaBoatPodcast.com, if any of you guys want to check that out. And one of the things I talked about in that piece was how I've seen a lot of reviews talk about like, oh, well, we're going to compare her to these specific people. Like Taylor Swift is the easy comparison mm-hmm. because of how much of Sour was indebted to Taylor Swift. Here, she's dropped the Taylor comparisons pretty much entirely. I think there was a cognizant effort from her and her team to make this album feel like Olivia and not have those comparisons come easily. And I think she succeeded. It's funny you bring that up because while I was listening to this, I did get the Taylor comparison, but not in the um, audio that you think right. it was, more in the writing and in the lyrics that these are songs written by Olivia Rodrigo because these are lived experiences, mm. which is where Taylor shines because her songs are lived experiences. Yeah, but I think we're finally getting to that point. And this happens with a lot of artists where she's able to break off from those comparisons and just make music that sounds like her. And I think we're here. I think Sour, you did have more comparison points. Here, they're harder to make. Like, I saw one person make the argument, like, oh, is Guts her melodrama? And I'm like, no, because melodrama was Lord's record. And it's very much something only Lord could have made. And I think Guts is the same thing for Olivia. This is something that comes from her 100%, is wholly original. And she does a good job of avoiding things that could have made it easy to compare her to other people. And yeah, I think it's extremely strong. Uh, One thing, though, I wanted to add to this conversation, though, is the question of, do you think it'll be as successful? Because the risk that you take, I think, with making something more specific is that maybe it's not the big chart juggernaut 
that sour was like a lot of people brought up how vampire the lead single was only number one for a week and then really took a tumble do you think that beyond a number one album next week does she have staying power in the hot 100 i don't know that is a good question because a lot of these don't feel like singles and i think that's why we like the album because (laughs) it's an album we like the album we like it front to back it tells a story it tells growth change loss love all that fun stuff that we like in a full (laughs) album so in terms of an album it's a complete full album that we like to look for but you're right in terms of like singles and what's going to play on the radio i don't know where it kind of hits there's one i can think of i think getting back is a single i think getting Mm -hmm. back could be huge but you're right the rest of the songs on here could be singles maybe but like She's doing some interesting things with them that I don't know if it plays on radio. Like, I really love Ballad of a Homeschool Girl, but I don't think that's a radio single because it's too weird. I I really love The Grudge, but it's not a radio single. It's not a radio single. I don't think the ballads hit as hard, especially with Vampire. Vampire is almost an exception because it's a ballad that's written to speed up like a pop song and it's transformed mm-hmm. into something by the end of it. The rest of them don't do that. The grudge and logical and even the, the ending track um, teenage, uh, dream. teenage dream are all built very like a classic ballad. They're driver's license essentially in its DNA. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they can be hits anymore. Like I think that things have changed. And yeah, and like it does make me wonder like whether she's turning into a Billie Eilish where she turns, pivots the career away from hits and more about, no, this is just the kind of thing I want to make. And that's not a bad thing to be because she's still going to bring in people for like tours. She's still going to be a big presence in pop radio. But it definitely makes me wonder like, are we just not in the place where she's going to make three number one hits like she did before? I don't know. I don't. It's a tough act, especially to follow up with singles and hits when you want to create a full album. Um, I think you're right that it does follow into that kind of like Billie Eilish and and in essence, kind of like a Beyonce where you, I know that's like a big stretch there, but where you (laughs) want to focus on the album and not necessarily what's going to play on radio, what's going to be a hit, what's going to be a single. It's a different conversation. and But I'm honestly kind of excited because that is ultimately the path. I think that maybe she's choosing that on purpose because of how she's inspired by a lot of bands that did just that. Mm-hmm. Paramore I, never had like a number one hit. Like, yeah. And if that's the direction she wants to take her career, then cool. I do see that the Grammys doubling down and awarding her stuff yeah. because of it. I could on it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is an opportunity here. To have that that foot where she becomes more of a critical, uh, a critically appreciated artist. Um, last thing before we move on, because we've been talking about it a lot. Because the internet is the internet, there has been a minor backlash over the last couple of days, specifically, where you have a certain quotient of people. I see it amongst older Gen Z slash younger, like the youngest of the young millennials talk about how they see her almost like as a poser not my term but theirs um and saying like oh she's just trying to be avril lavigne <laughs> do you see where this is coming from do you agree at all like what do you think that what why do you think this is happening because i think it's fascinating 
I think it's because she did lean into kind of like the bad girl image with songs like Bad Idea, right? Like Get Him Back, like The Grudge, like Pretty Isn't Pretty and Teenage Dream that it's not, especially in the beginning, it's All American Bitch, the way it has kind of a duality of both a simple, like lyrical, and then the hard rock edge to it that people, and especially millennials, it's easy to go to, oh, go with the pop punk princess of Avril Lavigne and just say, oh, slap that label over here for this generation. Mm -hmm. I think it's the easy way. I think it's the cop-out way. And I think (laughs) it's the way the um, uncritical and kind of like the, like the laze of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm mostly on the same page. I think um, one of the interesting things that came out of this was a conversation on Twitter amongst some people saying like, well, was it cool to like Avril Lavigne in the 2000s? Are we maybe doing some revisionist history about being like Avril being a bigger cultural impact than she was? Was that movement with her and like Ashley Simpson as big as it seemed like in in retrospect? And I think that, yeah, we lived it. And I can definitely say that was definitely not the cool thing to like. There was a mainstream like opinion that what Avril was doing was not cool. There was a big pushback from like the, you know, the VH1 like talking head thing about mm-hmm. like to to, to kind of trash talk what Avril was trying to do that she wasn't punk and that she was an artifice created by the label. It was also in back in the early 2000s to date ourselves here yeah. uh more of a push of you don't want to be like avril Lavigne. you want to be like britney you want to be like christina right you want to be the 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 pop princess not this punk nobody like we like listening to her music but nobody really likes her nobody wants to be her yeah. friend everyone wants to be britney's friend but no one wants to be avril's friend but of course the truth was more complicated because yet yeah, mm-hmm. because there seems to be a difference between the people who are like us that are on the periphery of it because we weren't the target audience and the girls who were because if you ask the girls who were they'll tell you like oh well i met friends in an online community because of avril i went to the concerts and like i was able to be with other girls and live in this moment it brought me into the pop world maybe because i was alienated by someone like britney where i didn't feel like that was me on the stage and so yeah it's an interesting thing that is still true today and I think this is what maybe the conversation is missing about Olivia. That's going to be Olivia for this next generation. And I think that's why this pivot is smart because she's still operating in the pop landscape. She's still associated with the pop, like with pop people, but she's also translate like, like using a sound and like using influences that are from pop punk bands from like indie rock from things that and incorporating that into pop music and i think that's going to be an awakening for a lot of people who are like oh pop music can be for me it's going to open up a door and i think it happened with avril it'll happen again here people just need to like you said get out of this like mindset that there can only be one thing and start thinking about like oh no there are a lot of things happening all at once and I mean, you don't necessarily have to join a camp. You don't have to necessarily identify yourself with one thing. I do feel like we're missing a link between Avril and now, which <laughs> is Demi Lovato, which funny enough, she has bit, her own yeah. album coming out <laughs> next yeah, week. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because there was an effort, I think, from the Disney Channel stable in the late 2000s. Again, we were too old to really have noticed this. But with movies like Camp Rock and mm-hmm. stuff like Hannah Montana 
uh, there was an effort I think Disney was making to push things more in a in a rock direction. I mean, that gives you the Jonas Brothers. Uh, of course, they mm-hmm. now have rebranded themselves as a pop band, but they were also part of that movement in the late 2000s. Like Disney was really trying to push that. And you can absolutely hear that late 2000s Disney Channel sound in Olivia's music because she was literally like five when she was listening to that <laughs> stuff. It was, we were 16, but she was a child. And so like, I think that that was, that was like perfect for her, like to grow up on that and have that part of her musical DNA. And it shows. And I think that she's able to refine that and tweak that to something that sounds contemporary and modern. So she was like five years old watching High School Musical and yes. then ended up starring in High School Musical, the musical, yes. the series. <laughs> it's weird to think about it. She was born in 2003. She's going uh, to be 20 this year. Yep. It's yeah, it's it's we can't relate like because of like that's such a generational difference. But. Like, I don't think that that means that like, I don't think that means that she's being derivative. And I think that, yeah, you're right. Ultimately, we shouldn't listen to those people because they don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, it's a good record. Uh, it's a good record. Last thing I'll say, if you want to listen to it in a specific way. Um, okay. So it's just been <laughs> talking about the track love is embarrassing because I don't think uh, it's just me, but when I listen to this thing or to list this song specifically, especially the lyrics, I had the idea or just kept popping my head that, this is just the the description of legally blonde <laughs> in song form. I'll I'll tell Christy that one. She might find that amusing. <laughs> also, though, and I didn't know if this. Uh, I thought this was the direction you were going to take for a second. The Dolby Atmos mix is awful on this thing. I just want to give a P- PSA out there to anybody <laughs> who had air who has AirPods. Don't bother. Just switched back to stereo. It muddles the mix so much, it sounds like it's a crappy recording, honestly. It was the first way I listened to it, and I was like, why does this sound so bad? And then I listened to the stereo mix, and I was like, oh, thank God. It wasn't It wasn't how, it wasn't the mixing. It wasn't the mastering. Just avoid the Dolby Atmos mix on phones if you can. I'm sure the actual home theater mix is better, but don't listen to it on AirPod, with AirPod Pros with uh, the Atmos on. Turn it off. Just trust me on this one. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, any last words on Guts? No, I think we'll talk about it at the end of the year, is what I'll say. Oh, you're just already putting it there? <laughs> it's it's easily one of three top records for me this uh, right now, um, sitting in the latter period of the year now. I'm pretty comfortable saying it will be in the top three of my list All somewhere. Right. Well then, with that done, let's move on to video games. And we'll yes. start with new releases. Uh, including Gun Barella for the PC and Ella. the Switch. Ella. 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 Uh, Summum Eterna for the PC, <laughs> PS5, for everything. If you got it, you can play yeah. it. Yeah. If the systems look differently this way, it's because now I'm able to copy and paste it from their new Metacritic design. Yep. And I was like, wow, this really simplifies my process. Boom. Uh, there's also Solar Ash. For the Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and the Switch. That is expanding. It was originally a PC and PlayStation release. All right. Uh, there's also Mugen Souls Z for the Switch. Uh, that looks weird. That's because that is a Dragon Soul Z. <laughs> Mugen <laughs> is Dragon. 
Ah, okay. Uh, we also have Mortal Kombat 1 for the PC, PS5, Switch, and Series X. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of the 80s, I think. Inspector Gadget, colon, Mad Time Party for everything. You got you it. Know, you can play it. For all those kids that remember Inspector Gadget. I don't know who this is for. Also, I don't know who this is for. Dune, colon, Spice Wars for the PC. You'd be surprised, actually. This is a uh, strategy game based on Dune, and I feel like a lot of nerds are going to be very excited about this. Uh, all that sand. Uh, we also have the, the Crew Motor Fest for uh, everything but the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Baton Kaitos 1 and 2 HD Remaster for the Switch. Yes, Remaster 2 um, Classic? I don't know. Depends on who you are. GameCube RPGs. Uh, we also have Ad Infinitum for everything but the Switch. Uh, NASCAR Arcade Rush for everything. You got it? You can play it. Big game. Mm-hmm. NASCAR's Arcade Rush coming out this this week. You gonna play that? No. Uh, there's <laughs> also Gloomhaven for everything but the PC. Come on, you could play as Watermelon Guy. <laughs> I guess. I don't know if that's true, actually. I'm assuming you can. You mean Ross Chastain? Yes. <laughs> Ross the Boss, Watermelon don't Man Chastain. Don't you want to play as the Watermelon Guy? <laughs> you do the Watermelon Crawl and just run yeah. it up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, it's here. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Colon. The Hidden Treasure of Area Zero. Part one. Part one. Colon. The Teal Mask. Colon. The Teal Mask for the Switch. This is the DLC. Yes, this is the part one of the DLC. Part two will be out in the winter. Uh, but yes, um, I'm not going to bother. I, I bought the DLC for Sword and Shield, and I played those. I am not touching this because the game still runs like shit. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Isn't everyone waiting for part two, though? Isn't that the real expansion with the uh, new gyms? In my opinion, yes. It seems like there's more to do in part two than in one. But I'm also probably not going to buy that. So <laughs> It's been a year since Scarlet and Violet. It has. Coming up on it. And they haven't fixed it. <laughs> not until Switch 2 comes out. I'm still going to be bitter about it. Like, yeah, if the Switch 2 is like, oh... This is a re-release that works this time. I'm also going to be mad because I'm like, no, I want the thing that I spent $60 on to work. <laughs> what a concept, right? What a concept. All right. Uh, let's get into the video game news then. And we got some mustard to throw. My mustard and ran it. out. Well, you got to go get a new one. I guess, well, I guess so. Well, Epic Games is chief creative officer and... Subsequently, one of the driving forces behind Fortnite, mm-hmm. um, Donald Mustard, <laughs> has announced that he is leaving the company. Mustard, who was also creative director on the Infinity Blade series and Shadow Complex, mm-hmm. announced the news on his social media accounts on Friday. The designer said the Fortnite team were, quote, in the best hands. And working on, quote, huge, jaw-dropping, amazing things. Um, 
Mustard went on and wrote, quote, After an incredible adventure, I'll be retiring from my role as Chief Creative Officer at Epic this month. I have enjoyed nearly 25 years in the game industry, collaborating with some of the most talented people ever, and I am so proud of what we have made together. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is an interesting one because Muster is definitely one of those names that came up a lot over the last, well, 25 years of gaming. Uh, he's mm -hmm. been with Epic for a while, even prior to um, them becoming this huge other thing after Fortnite became big. Um, yeah, like, and, and so to see him go and move on is like, it's it's always interesting to see a lifer go do something else because it's like, oh, yeah, I thought he was just always going to be there. Um, so yeah, I don't know what he's going to do next or just retire or whatever, but yeah, um, he did what he needed to do and I'm sure he made a lot of money while he was there. All right. Let's list off the reasons that he left. One <laughs> is 25 years at the same company and yeah. he's done. Yeah. Two, he's done working out Fortnite and doesn't want to <laughs> stick doing that forever. Yeah. Three, he tried to do something else and Epic Games told him no. Maybe, but probably not. I don't know. Uh, four, he finally has enough fuck you money to just <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. That's probably number one, honestly. <laughs> and funny. number five, he is going to start his own production his own production company. It's possible. I wouldn't rule it out. It happens a lot, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know what you do if you're done with mustard, except uh, work with somebody from Heinz, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Go um, buy the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, exactly. change Heinz Field. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right. The second story is just a quickie. Yeah, it's just a small one here. But hey, remember Roblox? I don't yeah. know if you say you remember Roblox. It's but still there. It's still around. Yeah, it's still there. It's still um, trying to compete with Minecraft as much as it can. But Roblox. Yeah, I know it's their own creator, own platform thing. Yeah. Uh, Roblox is finally breaking free by coming to PlayStation consoles next month. Mm -hmm. The massively popular online game platform and game creation system will be released for the PS4 and PS5 in October. Roblox was originally released in the PC back in... Uh, I'm going to date myself here. Yeah. 2006. 2006. Can you believe that? Yes, Olivia Rodrigo was only three. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to refer to things in in with the measurement of one Olivia Rodrigo. One Olivia Rodrigo ago, this was... <laughs> and was then ported to iOS in 2012, and then in Android in 2014, yeah. and now finally being ported in 2023. So, I included this story for two reasons, because there's some interesting things happening here with Roblox. One... This is funny that this happened now because during the court proceedings in which uh, PlayStation's Jack Ryan uh, made some comments about the Microsoft and Activision deal, uh, one of the things he said was that they had not um, asked for Roblox to be on PlayStation platforms because he was concerned about the, uh, the community of Roblox. He said that he didn't feel comfortable with Roblox being such a young community. And how that would affect the community, like on PlayStation demographics. On yeah, like the demographic PlayStation. on PlayStation, it'd be like it becomes more complicated when you're dealing with a lot of children on your platform, as opposed to the slightly older 
demographic that PlayStation usually attracts. Mm-hmm. And however, it seems like just a few weeks later, <laughs> money talks, I guess, and they just made the deal anyways. The other interesting thing about it, and my complicate, what I think is going to ex- definitely complicate Jack, uh, uh, Jack Ryan? No, what is his name? Something Ryan. Um, anyway, uh, his uh, feelings going forward about Roblox is that they're right now talking a big game about how they want it to be even more of a social platform than before. There are stories about, um, you know, I don't know why I can't think of his first name. Uh, but yeah, Jack Ryan. No, I keep saying Jack Ryan. It's not Jack Ryan, is it? I keep saying Jack Ryan. It's not Jack Ryan. <laughs> Anyways. You know, Jack Ryan is the... Um... Jack Ryan's the book guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, Station Ryan. Jim Ryan? Jim, yeah, Ryan. Jim Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> I had the J right. Anyways. So the other thing that's going to complicate this is that, yeah, they're trying to make Roblox even more of a platform than it already is. There was talk this week about, oh, you, you're going to make a, a universal avatar and you're going to make a universal platform. They want to chat, um, a, a, like in-game chat be, to become and expand into a full like community chat app with Roblox as its base. There's some really weird stuff that they want to do with Roblox going forward. And now... Jim Ryan's going to have this problem on PlayStation too. And so it's like interesting that this is the timing that he wants to do this deal. It may not have been his decision, uh, but it is interesting to have him make those comments and then immediately get way, way worse. And then all of a sudden they're making a deal with them. PlayStation home cries in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm still not sure exactly why they want to do all this with Roblox, but I guess that's, there's that many people using it every day. Um, because it's going to be a me-verse, Roblox-verse, Microsoft Universal thing where they, it just becomes your avatar. Well, that's the thing, is that they're they're not owned by Microsoft, but yeah, that's basically what they want to do, kind of like the Microsoft thing. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, I don't get it. But yeah. it's not for us. We're not five. No, no, we're not <laughs> Robloxians. No, we're not. All right, but what we are, yes, are um, starfires, yeah, star starfielders, spacefarers, astronauts, Spacefarers? whatever you will give. Because yes, I have been playing a crapload. Is the term I will use of Starfield. Um, yeah, uh, I took a crapload once. <laughs> Gross! <laughs> I want to hear about it. Um, yeah, I've been playing Starfield. It's on Game Pass as of last Wednesday. Um, it is. I'll get this out out ahead of time. It is a Bethesda game, and I mean that in every way. If you were expecting Starfield to be something more elaborate and more fancy and more ambitious than Fallout 4 or Skyrim, temper those expectations down, because Starfield is Fallout 4 in space with some extra stuff on the periphery. So go into it knowing that, because I think what happened over the last week, a couple weeks now, is people thought it was something huge more than this and played it and were disappointed. I went in expecting a Bethesda RPG and I got a Bethesda RPG, but that's the negative talk away because the good news is 
is it's a really good one of those things. And I think, personally, it's now easily my favorite of those Bethesda RPGs. I am having a really good time with Starfield. The last Bethesda game I played was Fallout 4. Okay. And I typically don't touch Bethesda games. Mm -hmm. A lot of people keep telling me I should play Skyrim. I've never played Skyrim. Wow, you might be the only person in that I know that has not played Skyrim. Uh, I'm waiting for the achievement to unlock that says <laughs> I've not played Skyrim. Anyway. Um, and yeah, honestly though, like if you have like a basic understanding of what these games are, you can easily jump right into Starfield. So there are things that it does do differently. One thing major is the space flight. You do occasionally fly a ship in space. It does play like a arcade style space shooter for those little bits of uh, of gameplay. And it works relatively okay. I think the space flight stuff and the combat in space is my least favorite part of the game. I actively avoid it a lot of the time because I'd rather shoot guns on land. Um, but for the people who are into that thing, there's a lot of options there. In fact, that's the theme for this game as a whole. It's flexible in a way that if you want to play it a certain way, you absolutely can. You can lean into one method of play and completely ignore other pieces of the game. Of course, for a completionist, that's really hard to do because you're going to want to check all those check marks. But if you go into it in more of a role-playing kind of mindset and you want to be this character and do what this character would do, the game does allow for that. Now, it's not as flexible as something like Baldur's Gate 3. I see a oh, lot yes. of conversations happening right now about, oh, well, in Baldur's Gate 3, I can just do this. I can kill this NPC and nothing will happen. And something will happen and it will affect my game. Or like, or I got out of this really tricky situation and didn't have to save scum. Starfield's not that flexible. So if you're going in expecting complete flexibility, you're not going to get it. You're within the limits of a Bethesda RPG. You can't kill every NPC. Sometimes you can't. Like, just deal with it. But sometimes you can, and that does affect the some of the side quests that you can get from that character. There are some surprising moments of flexibility. There is something that's kind of spoilery that I will say um, I haven't even seen, but I've seen a lot of people talk about which is apparently there is some sort of, and if you don't want to hear about it, let me warn you right now, but there's something I heard about even when you finish the game, you're not done because there's something in the story, there's some story hook that implies that there is a benefit to doing New Game Plus multiple times. And to me, that sounds awesome because that like makes me think it's like, oh, so I can just, like I can like not think that this character's story is going to end like at a solid endpoint. there's going to be more I can do and live more in this world and kind of see the different permutations of the, the, the things that I can do. There's almost a mass effect two style twist that happens in the story uh, that actually, if you want to watch this, it's in the stream that I did uh, because I happened to be streaming right when this thing happened and I did not anticipate that this was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, there's some sort of choice that you have to make that determines whether some of your crew dies or lives. And I did not expect that to happen in a game like this. So there are interesting things happening on the periphery of what's at its core still one of those Bethesda RPGs. So know what you're getting into, but still, there are going to still be surprises every once in a while that really will get you like involved in the game and like sucked into the game in ways I didn't expect. Okay. 
Um, now, I've, speaking on New Game Plus, I have seen some takes that say, don't do New Game Plus immediately. Right. Finish everything else before you do New Game Plus. Yeah, it seems like it doesn't necessarily lock you out of much, but it does, if you want to do it like in the flow that makes most, most sense, yeah, that is also the feedback I've seen. I've been mostly just doing campaign stuff because I did this mostly before I knew about the new Game Plus stuff. As of yesterday, I've started going and doing some cleaning up some side stuff now that I have some time. So I'm doing a lot of faction missions right now. If you played a Bethesda RPG, you know what this is. You can basically align yourself with one of the different factions of the world and just do some quests. So in Starfield, Starfield's version of this is like, you can be a space marine and join the marines. You can be a space cop and join the rangers. Or you can be a space pirate and do piracy stuff. Like there's, the game gives you a lot of like different options and you can do all of them. You don't have to pick just one. Your reputation, of course, will be more complicated, say, if you wrong one group and favor another. Uh, but yeah, it like gives you the option to do all of that if you really want to. Um, I think the ultimate way I can recommend this game is uh, with my own personal experience with it. When I started, I am not somebody who like role plays a lot in games. I'm somebody who likes a tailored experience. I'm somebody who usually likes a narrative that's given to me. I like, for example, the Uncharted series a lot because it's very much you follow a story. You're not making a whole lot of decisions, but you're basically doing a cinematic adventure the way you want. And I even played Fallout 3 and Skyrim largely that way. Like, I didn't, like, do a whole lot of role play choices. I was mostly just playing as myself and just trying to do everything as a checkbox. Here, I've kind of almost stumbled into a role-playing kind of mode. I started my character thinking, like, oh, she's... I'm going to give her this background and be like, oh, she was born in like space vegas and she's kind of a street rat and she's like she's uh kind of a shoot first ask questions later kind of mercenary she's wanted by like the federation for question mark crimes and (laughs) i thought i was gonna go in and play her as like kind of like this badass that didn't end up happening and it's because one of the things that happened was like i got to the like uh to these crew members and I started traveling with this one crew member who she she also kind of has a checkered past. Her whole setup is that she has she is a member of this like space religion that worships a giant serpent. And there and so her his history and past is like secretive. She doesn't really talk about her past. And and so I'm like, okay, what's up with her? So I want to travel with her so see if I could learn more about that. What ended up happening though is I found myself almost like I start, found myself kind of being rude and she would call me out immediately. She'd be like, why did you say that to that person? That wasn't very nice. And I'm like, okay, miss like criminal history. I also have a criminal history. Why are you calling me out for my, like be, me being kind of rude? And I was like, all right. So I guess when I'm around her, I have to like do these certain things. So already I found myself being like, oh, I'm tailoring my gameplay now because I want to impress this digital person. <laughs> What's happening? And now it's completely... I had a, a a moment, a really dramatic moment, and this, like I said, I think that this is the way I think that this game should be sold, which is talk about the the lived experiences that you can have with this game. So there was a mission that I took on uh, that like involved. Um, I was kind of in a club, and I had to um, escape 
with this i was basically making a deal i was brokering a deal with somebody um to give me one of these artifacts that we're tracking but we had to go into basically like the suite in this club and like have a one-on-one -on -one negotiation of course the negotiation guy wants to leave i've talked to security though and i shut the door behind him and so he can't escape so of course he freaks out and ultimately we get the artifact right open the door to find out security is onto us they're like, oh, actually, this thing, the artifact is actually a property of this other guy, and he's impounded your ship. You can't leave. So I try to do a persuasion check. I try to be like, well, I can convince you not to attack us and let us leave with the artifact. Persuasion fails. I only The only option I have is to pull out my gun. Like, attack <laughs> is the only thing I can do. I'm like, well, shit. I guess I have to shoot these guys. But me shooting the security guards made chaos in the club. And because it's like Space Vegas, all the citizens on the dance floor are armed. They all start taking out their guns and start <laughs> shooting me. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so I'm at this moment where I, like, I have to consider, wait, they're shooting at me, right? I should be okay to kill them, right? But then I'm like, but they're technically innocent. They have nothing to do with this deal that just went bad. So what do I do? So I try to escape, and I start, like, but I'm like getting shot by a guy, so I shoot him back. I kill him. Partner does not like that. She, I get a huge thing saying, so-and-so does it dislike this. So-and-so is angry at you. And I'm like, oh no, I had this genuine pang of guilt that I made her mad at me. Worst thing, I go, I travel back to the ship, right? And I notice I'm running to my ship, trying to escape this planet while all these people are shooting on the club floor. And I notice she's not following me anymore. I'm like, whoa, she's so mad she's staying? Like, I hope she's okay. And so the whole, like, I, I fast travel back to, the, like, the main meeting place. And she's not there at first. So I think one of two things has happened. Either she stayed on the planet because she's pissed at me and I'll never see her again. Or worse, she died. Like, I was like, oh, maybe she died. Maybe somebody shot her. And so I'm freaking out. And then so we have a little cutscene. And this whole time I'm like actually feeling real world like guilt and shame for the decisions i had made and then i see her outside after the cutscene's over and she walks in and i'm like oh thank god okay so i know she's still alive will she talk to me i go up to her and she talks she tells me how pissed she is it's like i can't believe you would do that kill an innocent person like i can't believe you do that thankfully there's a persuasion check i can do with her and i pass it I genuinely think that if I did not pass that, she would have left, and I would not have been able to travel with her anymore. But thankfully, I salvaged the relationship. <laughs> and so what the I digital noticed, relationship. Yeah, and so what I noticed is that yeah, I literally had I felt like for the first time ever, I was actually role playing in this game. Like I had felt like I was actually making decisions like the character I was playing. And so my now my new narrative is yes, she had this checkered past or something. But her friendship with this other girl has made her realize, oh, I can rebuild myself. I can be a better person. So what I did now is I used an in-character reason. Well, maybe I should join like the Space Rangers and try to do some good. And so I did. And so right now <laughs> I'm in the faction quest line for the Rangers trying to like like regain my like the, my crew members confidence in me and kind of rewrite my past there was a, a another quest i literally told the guy no because he wanted me to sell drugs for him and i told him no it was like because i was like you know in that moment i thought about it i was like no that's not the character she is anymore 
she would she wouldn't agree to do this again she'd be falling into the same crew that she used to be in and i don't want to do that anymore and so yeah it's like I'm, this game is like completely absorbed me. like i'm 100 percent in yes there are issues there are bugs i've encountered some weird stuff but it's a bethesda game yes it hard crashed on me once but only once <laughs> so far and that's pretty impressive considering i've played over 10 hours of it now so i'm really having a good time with it i wholeheartedly recommend it if you've ever liked a bethesda rpg before I don't know if you're going to have moments like that, but just the fact that you could have moments like that with this game is enough for me to recommend it. So, yeah, I'm I'm all all fully on board. Now, is your like or hatred of a Bethesda game going to mainly temper your expectation? Because, like you said, you bought the, you technically didn't buy this. I mean, yeah, straight game pass. It's Game Pass. For someone who doesn't have Game Pass, is it $60, $70? Yeah, I think that it's fully based on whether you like the kind of game that they make. If you like Fallout, if you like Skyrim, I think there's enough here that's similar enough to those games, and it also does some new things, that I think it's a worthwhile experience and absolutely worth the money. Like, Link alone, there's so much to do in this game and so much customization. Like, I haven't even touched on, like, ship customization and and the skill tree and the different ways you can, like, customize your experience with it. There's so much happening here. Um, and yeah, so like I recommend it, but if you're somebody who did not have a good experience with Fallout or Skyrim, and if you just want more freedom, like a Baldur's Gate, like you're worried that it won't let you play the game that you want, yeah, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, so just know that going in, like that it's not going to be this dream game. It's not No Man's Sky either. It's not, I'm going to leave this planet, I'm going to fly to the new planet. You can do that, but it's going to take you like five hours. This game is a lot of menus. It's a lot of fast travel. It's a lot. It's not really about exploring space. It's about having a story told in space. And that is a difference. So I still recommend it. All right. So that's a me about recommend then. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time to play anything currently. So, <laughs> um, which means. It's a good time to jump back into Rogue Legacy 2, because, hey, <laughs> those runs take 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but I still suck size. at roguelike games, so All it's, right, well, it's fine. With that, then, I guess we can move on to a second half of the show, where we always start television with the Sports Corner. Oh, what a sports weekend it was. Oh, what a sports weekend it was. The U.S. Open concluded with, or con- is concluding? It no, concluded. Conclude. Uh, Coco Goff was your big winner, defeating Arina Sablenica for the first major title. And yeah, kind of really puts Coco Goff on the map. How much uh, My Hero Academia is she? What? She already kind of was. Yeah, I mean, this just solidifies it. Yes. Of course, how much uh, My Hero Academia is she watching now in in response? Did you see that? Someone asked her what she's going to do, like, to prep for her match before this final happened. And she said she was going to go home and watch My Hero. (laughs) 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 Like, man. Is is that that why that was trending on Saturday? That's why that was trending (laughs) on Saturday. (laughs) So now we know who the kind of person she is. So that's why that blames that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Look, yeah, because they won on, because she won on Saturday. Um, She is now currently the number three ranked um tennis female star in the world uh arna arna Savalenka, who was number two and lost 
because you made it to the finals, is now your new number one world-ranked uh, tennis player. So, hey, even though she lost, she still ended up winning with number one. And congratulations to Bill Goff, the second youngest person to ever win the U.S. Open. Wow. Only second to Serena Williams, who won it a year earlier. Well, not like a year earlier, but she won it at 19. Coco is 20. Okay. Um, so can't really go out in New York and celebrate the way you think. But hey. Yeah, you got but I'm sure she's having fun <laughs> on other ways. Yes. Anime fans. So congratulations uh, to her. Meanwhile, Djokovic beat Medvedev. Medvedev? Medvedev. Ugh, Medvedev. Medvedev. But of course. Well, yeah, that's because uh, Medvedev beat the number one ranked player in um, Al- Alcaraz mm-hmm. in the semis. Otherwise, we had a number one versus number two. Instead, we got number two versus number three. So, congratulations. I think this is uh, Djokovic's 24th uh, major title. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's and move on. Want to talk about tennis until Wimbledon. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 not until Wimbledon. in the spring. Until I think the um, Australia Open in January. Right. I think we're done with tennis, actually. All right. All right. Moving on. Another thing, bits in the sports world. We take it to the MLB, where we have a new uh, clear home run leader. Matt Olson hit his 50th this week, um, leaving for Otani, who is now day-to-day on his injury, um, out of the dust. So, I guess Well, that... I hear Otani's also day-to-day on his status as an angel. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also the case. So, yeah, I guess congratulations to Matt Olson, although I'm still bitter back when he was in Oakland A. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> the Atlanta Braves are still one of the best teams of baseball. They have clinched their playoff spot already. They are the uh, first team yes. to make that clinch. Congratulations. So we will see a lot of them in October. Next up, we talk about the FIBA World Cup. This is the basketball. The fee- ah, the basketball I see. World Cup. World Cup of Basketball, where Germany beat Serbia 83-77. to By the way, the U.S., now well, fourth place. We lost to Canada. Uh, but, however, LeBron and Steph Curry are eyeing the 2024 Paris Olympic Games for their redemption, as that they have been announced to be members of that upcoming team. Yes, we're still a year, actually under a year away from those Paris Olympic Games. And they were, among other NBA superstars, pissed that USA did not win the FIBA World Cup. And in fact, they didn't even medal. Uh, this is, they didn't even medal last time the FIBA World Cup took place either. This is two years in a row that the USA failed at the FIBA World Cup. And NBA superstars are like, Oh hell no! We need to establish dominance yet again. Yeah, so they're gonna do it at the Paris Olympics before it comes to LA in 2028. I think it's interesting that we have this story so soon after the women's team loss in soccer because mm-hmm. it does make you think like, oh, it's not just soccer. The world is getting better at all the sports we used to dominate in. Like it's becoming a more even playing field, literally. In all sports, which is interesting to see. I mean, that's that's been the case in the, over the last couple of years, especially when you see um, drafts in these other sports where players in those first rounds are not 
U.S. born players. They're not college players. They're right. international players, players who have played on German teams, on Serbian teams, even I think Italian teams. Uh, the number one player in the world right now, I think, was from a team in France. Yeah. Um, the the new kid down in the San Antonio, who's a, played in France before he's playing in the NBA here. Uh, we should ask Britney Spears what, what his name is. I think she got it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knows. Anyway, so yeah. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for global basketball moving forward. It might not just be as easy as it used to be. The dream team is definitely something that we can probably never replicate again. Well, we had the dream team, and yeah. we had the redeemed team. Yeah. So yes. you know, that this? was in 2008. Yeah. So what is this? The established dominance team? <laughs> <laughs> yes, established dominance team. Uh, anyway, uh, what else do we got going on? Uh, uh, week one in the NFL is complete. Yep. Oh, we need to talk about the big thing that happened in week one of the NFL. Um, that everybody can't shut up about this week. Yes, um, the Detroit Lions did end up being Patrick Mahomes in Week One. So there was that. There was there was also a couple. Jared Goff is undefeated against uh, Patrick Mahomes. No, uh, yeah, he is his true. daddy. There are a couple of other things though that we should talk about with football. Oh, um, yes, the Rams, who everyone thought would lose, ended up winning. No, that's not it. Um, you're right. Okay. So Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys put an absolute trouncing on the New York football giants, 40 to zero. Still not that. Still not what I'm referring to. Um, Joe Burrow did not throw for the first time 100 yards in his career after signing the massive contract of $275 million, making him the highest paid quarterback. No, I'm going to say something I haven't said since 2008. We need to talk about the New York Jets. <laughs> well, they're not the ones who butt fumbled last night. <laughs> no. Anyways, yes, the Jets are in the news. Yes, and um, so we saw the Jets in Hard Knocks. Yes, and one of the last episodes of Hard Knocks, they signed an undrafted free agent. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, Xavier Gibson. <laughs> Well, Xavier Gibson, in week one of the NFL, made a statement saying, you all should have drafted me as he ran back the kick, the punt return for a touchdown, sealing the game in overtime for the Jets against the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to talk about, right? Well, there's a reason why that happened. Oh, oh yeah, because um, <laughs> one Aaron Rodgers decided to go on another darkness retreat. <laughs> This time, way more painful than the last. Yes. Um, Aaron Rodgers um, and J.K. Dobbins, both this past week, suffered Achilles uh, ruptures. They broke. They're ruptured. They're gone. Well, they're not gone, but they snapped. Um, they're Both their Achilles injured, done for the rest of the season. So now Aaron Rodgers becomes a $75 million quarterback <laughs> coach to Zach Wilson. Yeah. It's just, he's done, right? He's done for the year. Yeah, but like, I mean, he's done, done, right? I mean, considering he was contemplating retirement at the beginning mm-hmm. of this year and like all through preseason and end of last season, that, yeah, um, he suffered his uh, torn Achilles mm-hmm. 
four snaps, four offensive snaps for the Jets into the game. Yeah. He is stat line is zero for one <laughs> for zero yeah. yards and his, four snaps. His career as, as a Jet is likely going to be summed up what what portion of a game? Like one like not even one eighth of the game, like not even one offensive series. <laughs> Like, it's really ridiculous when you think about it, that, like, we went through all of this shit to just to have him not even be able to complete a game. I mean, it's not his fault. I don't know if it is his fault or not. I don't know. Standing on shaking ground there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not his fault that he got injured. If anything, I blame his age. Yeah. But, yeah, he is officially done for as a New York Jet in the quarterbacks. But this does mean, however, that because Aaron Rodgers was not the starting quarterback for at least 10 games, all the picks that the Packers traded that were conditional on them now revert back to them, which means they get first-round picks again. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. So that was part of those conditionals. Like, you get Aaron Rodgers and conditional first and second-round picks if he plays if he starts for at least 10 games. Okay. So, that didn't behold, happen. did yeah. happen. So, conditional picks will work back. All right. I assume okay. that's what you're talking about. Then, yes, right? that's what I was talking about. <laughs> I was getting at the Aaron Rodgers stuff because that kind of was like dominating today. Uh, but yeah, yes. um, now we can move off of football. Anything else in sports we need to talk about before we move on? Well, um, yes, this past weekend, college football continued its established dominance with Colorado. Congratulations. Also, um, Alabama, dominant program at Alabama, lost to Texas Oof. on ESPN. Although, if you didn't have ESPN, you would have known that happened. Right, that's true. So, And Aaron Rodgers being injured, you also <laughs> might have not known that would have happened <laughs> had they not made a deal yeah. Monday morning. Yes, and that brings us into our first story in television. Yes, an update about last week's uh, discussion about how Disney and Spectrum had parted ways over a contract dispute. Well, it didn't take very long, a little longer than normal, but still not that long in the grand scheme of things. Oh, the don't Walt worry. Disney... Well, yep. that, yesterday morning, I got a lot of phone calls saying, yep, yep. called it. Yep. I knew this thing would be solved by Monday, by yep. Monday Night Football. Well, here's what happened. The Walt Disney Company and Charter Communications announced a multi-year distribution agreement. As part of the deal, the majority of Disney's networks and stations will be immediately restored to Spectrum's video customers, while others will be leaving the platform altogether. In the coming months, the Disney Plus basic ad-supported offering will be provided to customers who purchase the Spectrum TV Select package, which is a nice little freebie to toss in there. Yes, but that is the ad-supported package. Yes. ESPN Plus will be provided Spectrum TV uh, Select Plus subscribers. The ESPN flagship direct-to-consumer service will be made available to Spectrum TV Select subscribers when it launches. Charter will maintain flexibility to offer a range of video packages at varying price points based on different customer viewing preferences. They will also offer Disney's direct-to-consumer services to all its customers. These include Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, as well as the Disney Bundle. So if you don't really know what that means, it's not a big deal. It just means that they're following suit with other companies like um, um, Comcast have already started doing, which is basically Mm -hmm. like through their own system, you can sign up for Disney+. Plus. That's all this means. 
Yes. And um, it's not that it becomes part of your TV package. No. It's you can sign up for their current price yeah. point through Spectrum and have it added to your Spectrum bill. So yeah, and then that'll just yeah lump it up, lump in the payments, and it also will um, give you basically access to it within the Spectrum app you're already using, as opposed mm -hmm. to a separate situation. Um, effective immediately, channel-wise, Spectrum will continue to carry the ABC-owned television stations, Disney Channel, FX, and the Nat Geo Channel, in addition to the full suite of ESPN networks. However, networks that will no longer be included in Spectrum TV packages are Baby TV, Ooh. Disney Junior, Ooh. Disney XD, uh. Freeform, Ooh. FXM, FXX, no. oh. Nat Geo Wild, and Nat Geo Mundo. Mm. The yeah. big hits here are Disney XD, Freeform, and FXX. Yep. Um, not thrilled because that's like four of my TV choice package right now. <laughs> they're just eliminated. Yeah. However, they... I did get an email from Spectrum saying that they're going to give me some money back for this past bill. I'm like, great, like five bucks. Like, what could that possibly? Oh, no, I got be? that. I got the text message too saying yeah. we will add a credit to your bill. Like, like of what? But, but Do tell me how much a credit. Literal dollars? Like, don't bother. Like, I guess it's a burrito, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I'm still, this still makes me pretty confident that I will be canceling my TV service to mm -hmm. them because, yeah, it's just, I kind of signed up for this so I could get some of those channels. Now they're just not even going to be on the service anymore. It's pretty brutal. But they do what they got to do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's also. Like I, we were hedging and looking into getting out of Spectrum because of this, and like, thank God they they figured it out come Monday. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I don't know if this is actually a win-win here. No, it's not. Um, Spectrum gets there, gets out of the Disney bundle of channels, saying you no longer need to be bundled to Net Geo, Freeform junior xd all that stuff if you want espn but at the same time now disney is forcing spectrum to sell disney plus and hulu bundles with them which i yeah. did notice by the way um after like this all got resolved and we turned on espn every time they went to a commercial break one of the first two ads was hulu plus live sports <laughs> And they're trying to add heavily to get Hulu Plus Live TV and yeah. the Disney bundle. You're going to see that a lot, I'm sure. They're going to really want to push their inside thing. Although, yeah. speaking of Hulu, uh, one thing we're not talking about this week is the rumors uh, that Disney is still looking to sell off Hulu. Uh, they're really heating up. We'll, of course, address that when it actually, if and when it actually happens. But for now, it is interesting to see those things happen in parallel is Disney wants to push this thing while they still own it. However, who knows how long that's going to be? We'll see. Uh, I mean, that's because Disney wants to like make it into a one-app experience. Right. Just want to simplify it. Right. I mean, that's also why that line in here of ESPN flagship direct-to-consumer service. Right. Is that eventually ESPN Plus, I assume, is going to become ESPN Bet. Yeah, and it's going to be something separate from yeah. ESPN direct to consumers. That's my guess too. All right, let's move on. 
into our second story, which is actually a lot of stories because we got some bits for the bits, except they're bad. They're all the bad. bad bits. Bad, all bad. bits. Bad bits. bits. bad. So there's a lot of them, and I'll try to skip, uh, zoom through these because we're running out of time. Let's talk about number one here, which, yes, the big story in the town this week was about a little guy named Jimmy Fallon. Uh, James Fallon. Yes, James Fallon. Uh, Following an investigation into the workplace environment at The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, the talk show host himself and showrunner Chris Miller, not that Chris Miller, addressed their employees in a Zoom call on Thursday evening. The investigation spoke with two current and 14 former staffers who said that Fallon's erratic behavior and the show's ever-changing leadership teams of nine showrunners since 2014, yes, that's one showrunner per year that the show's been on the air, Mm-hmm. had fostered an unhealthy work environment. Some employees say their mental health was impacted by their alleged experiences, and many employees say they made complaints to HR. So I read this whole Rolling Stone piece, um, and uh, yeah, it does not paint a good story. It had a lot of flashes of the Ellen stories from the previous years that have come out, except worse, implying that there still might be potential substance abuse issues that Jimmy Fallon may be dealing with that may be contributing to this uh yeah i mean i also read this piece and it you're right it did feel uh, that kind of same feeling as the ellen piece months ago mm-hmm. um but yeah fostering <laughs> a toxic work environment yeah nine showrunners in nine years yeah leads to both a lack of consistency mm-hmm. also fosters a lack of trust in the tonight show in saying oh if jimmy fallon doesn't like you you're just gonna get get the boot because also, he's the one who's yeah. been consistent over those nine mm-hmm. years not the showrunners yeah it'll be interesting i think the jimmy's butt is saved by the strike right now because if there mm-hmm. was not a strike this came out during the taping of his show he would have had to address it on the show itself it could have potentially led to a stoppage it could have potentially led to maybe like network drama about like do we replace him do we do something about this what do we do but because the show's not even on the air right now it may have the after effect of maybe by the time it does return maybe they're hoping this blows over maybe they hope the narrative changes uh and they don't have to deal with this when they're back on in the air now Jimmy Fallon has to address it on his podcast yes that's the other part of this it's very <laughs> funny i bet all the other guys are now going Oh boy, glad we started this podcast with Jimmy Fallon. Oh man, glad we made Jimmy Fallon the host of this thing and we're just oh. guests on this. Ooh. Oh boy, oh no. Yeah, I can't, I don't want to be Seth Meyers right now is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's bad look and I do hope they consider, reconsider uh, Jimmy Fallon's role there because yeah, it just, it seems like a really bad thing to have as your, you know, your flagship show. It's not good. Well, we all know late night TV is dying. What if it's Jimmy Fallon who puts it in the ground? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> all right, speaking of talk shows, but this time in the daytime, Drew Barrymore is also being criticized this week, this time by fellow actors and writers on social media, for her decision to bring back her daytime talk show amid the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. While Barrymore is not violating SAG-AFTRA rules as the host of the show, it does allow talk shows... Her show does employ WGA writers. This means new episodes of the Drew Barrymore show will have to utilize either violating WGA members, non-WGA writers, 
or no one at all. The Drew Barrymore Show right now is set to return September 18th. So, two things. Yeah, one, I think it's fair uh, to be like, what the hell? Like, you are just going to do this. What are you going to do to fill the time? Like, are you just going to have interviews? Like, are you just going to bring people on? What are they going to talk to? Talk about, because if they're actors, they, they can't, can't talk about promote anything. Yeah. So are you going to talk to authors? Like, are you going to talk to, like, what are you going to do? And the second thing is, if you are going to write bits, are you writing them? Like, are, like, who's writing them? Are scabs writing them? Like, are you improvising everything? And if you are, that sounds like terrible television. It sounds like a lot of cold opens of Drew Barrymore going into the audience saying, hello, who are you? Where are you from? Right. Do you know I'm Drew Barrymore? <laughs> it's a weird choice. You like especially, yeah, yeah. You don't see Kelly Clarkson doing this. Like, you don't see a lot of her contemporaries doing this. It's weird that she feels like she needs to do something. It's like, it's like I just picture her like sitting on her hands being antsy and be like, I have to do a show. I have to do a show. Why? You're Drew Barrymore. Just enjoy. I, I mean, you, like you mentioned, she can't have actors or writers or anyone yeah. on to promote their stuff because that's breaking SAG after WGA rules. Yeah. I guess lots of chefs, lots of cooking stuff. Bring on the animals. I guess so. What's uh, Jack Hanna's people up to? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what you do. I honestly don't know what you do if you're Drew Barrymore. I mean, the answer is not do your show, but that's apparently out of the question. Or oh, she well. has to do the show. I don't know. I don't get it. Okay, but on the silver lining of it, though, at least it employs people um, below the line, people behind the scenes, people act. Uh, That's sets, true. Designs, wardrobe, crew, makeup, crew. Yeah. Yes, that is a good thing. Like at least some of the people who have been jobless in LA will now have their jobs back. I'm assuming this is an LA-based show. It is an LA-based okay. show. Yes. All right. Anyway, speaking of things not happening anymore. Warner Brothers Television has moved on to suspend some remaining overall deals with some of its top creators. This list includes Greg Berlanti Productions, which we talked about earlier um, in the year about their deal changing. Uh, Bill Lawrence's Doozer Productions, which brought us Ted Lasso. And Mindy Kaling's Kaling International, which gave us shows like uh, Never Have I Ever. J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot is also in the process of being notified. While John Wells's Productions Pact was suspended in June, and Chuck Lorre, producer's deal, was suspended in the first wave back in May. So Warner Brothers is just cleaning up loose ends, being like, all right, well, you guys can't do anything. There's no movement to be had on these deals right now anyways. So we're just going to cut this now. Like, just terminate it. We'll renegotiate after all this business is over. I wonder how much of this is them just cleaning house and going through contact and contracts yeah. they have with these production companies and saying well looks like you didn't make a production or a show in <laughs> two months or three months you just violated your contract i have plans to end this now yeah yeah and it doesn't use language like violations so it makes me just think it's like it's less about that and just more about like we just don't need to have this on file with you guys if you can't do business with us like if there's nothing happening there's no business to be had Right, but it does, I mean, that's the rosy mm. press release that they make, but behind the scenes, because this is Warner Brothers Television, it is very easy to just assume, well, we're not going to keep paying these production companies because they're not making stuff, so we're just going to cut these ties and cut these ties yeah. and cut these ties, and we'll renegotiate your deals once you're able to actually make something for us. Yeah. 
So I don't know. It doesn't really have much effect on now, but it will be interesting to see if these deals do get renegotiated after the strikes are over or if some of these creators jump ship. Because I would, not be I, surprised, I would not be surprised if you see someone like Chuck Lorre or someone like Bill Lawrence especially going somewhere else maybe where they could get a more lucrative deal. Just going straight to Apple. Mm-hmm. I wonder, yeah, if you just make a direct deal with Apple instead of dealing with Warner as an intermediary, like, I'd be smart for him. I wonder if this is Christopher Nolan just walking around with a big sign saying, I told you so. Yeah. This is why I left. Yep, this is, this I is what? Come to Universal. They'll yeah. treat you right. How, how we, we really didn't know when <laughs> Nolan was making such a big stink about it. Like, oh, wow, he was right. They are a terrible company to deal with. Oh, well. Well, I mean, yeah, more we, so now because of Zaslav, but yeah. A hundred years of uh, bullshit, I guess. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll have more a hundred years of bullshit later. Uh, for a different company that's enjoying 100 years. (laughs) But first, lastly in the bits here, the Writers Guild of America has opened investigations on both coasts into complaints by members of delayed and smaller than usual residual checks. In terms of where scribes were reporting lighter payouts or delayed checks, shows from NBC Universal, CBS Studios, and HBO were mentioned the the most. And you wonder why these people are striking. <laughs> yes, yeah, one think. of the big reasons that they are striking is due to residual checks, trying to update residual payments of how they get their money and the size and consistency, because mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to, uh, since residual checks are paid quarterly, it's a lot harder to say, hey, where's that check I had from three months ago that I'm sure I cashed? How does yeah. it compare to this check? Whereas you can just look online in a direct deposit and say, hey, these numbers don't match up these numbers don't add up one of these things is not like the other i mean there was one picture that went viral i forget who posted it of a zero point like zero dollar no cents like check a check literally with zero money um that was sent to somebody for a residual payment it's like oh so these things are just like automated too like they just automatically send them out even if there's nothing to pay out Mm -hmm. like it's bizarre like none of it makes sense uh, yeah, uh, one of the many reasons why they are continuing to strike. Yeah. So let's uh, hold on that strike news. We'll revisit it in just a moment. But first, let's wrap up TV with some thoughts. I would love to talk about the after party finale right now. However, I cannot. I did not watch it. Oh, no. You had a whole week to watch it. So sorry. We got to punt that conversation to next week. Okay, so. that's okay. Um, I week. will say that my original prediction was wrong. Oh, okay. I'm kind of happy that it's wrong, but at the same time, the actual ending explains a lot of the reasons why they made the choices they did this this okay, season. Good. All right. Interesting. So, I, I look forward to having that wrapped up. Yep. We'll wrap that up next Excellent. week then. Then any other TV to talk about before we move on? Um, I have got us hooked on a new and old TV show <laughs> because it is easy to put on. It is dumb to put on, and I okay. don't need to pay attention to it. We have one of those going right now as well. What's yours? Great American Food Truck Race. Oh, hell yes. I love the Food Truck Race. <laughs> it's dumb. They fight. They bicker. They crash these giant vehicles, moving kitchens into other vehicles, mm-hmm. and have to pay out. It's both hilarious because they're under the gun with all the cameras, and at the same time, everyone clashes everywhere. And it's interesting to see all the different strategies. And fun, dumb TV to where we just mm-hmm. put it on and be like, oh, yeah, 
look, they're already at the end of the episode because it's 40 minutes and <laughs> I don't have to sit through commercials. Yeah, it helps, turns out. And since um, each season is only eight episodes, mm-hmm. run through them so quickly. Quickly. Yeah, Christy and I's version of that right now, we are going through from the top all of Project Runway. Oh. We went through seasons one and two already. We're in season three. I have not seen it because I didn't watch it back then. I just picked up around 20 to 10. So, like, it's one season that she's seen that I haven't. So it's this fun dynamic where she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Or, oh, I remember when this happened. Or as we go through the iconic moments of the first few seasons. Have you gone to Andre yet? Yes, we got to Andre. We, Andre. We, we went through Andre <laughs> in season two. <laughs> no, We still don't know to this day if Tim Gunn ever went to Red Lobster with Andre. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Enough about that old, old tw- literal 20-year-old television. Let's move on to it is funny to be able to like just binge all these TV yeah, shows and it's all on Peacock back. if you're wondering it's all on Peacock now. Yeah, you're so. on Peacock. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about cancellations and renewals real quick. Right. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching Real Sports with Bryant Gumble, an old favorite of yours. I know it yes. is. Um, it was canceled after 29 seasons on HBO. This current season that it's in will be its last, which means its December wrap-up show will be its finale. And sucks, did not get to 30 seasons. No, didn't quite make it. But hey, 29 seasons is still a tremendous milestone. It technically is HBO's longest running show. Yes. It it, quite a run, quite a run for Bryant Grumble. Uh, But if you're the one person who was watching The Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount Plus, you'll be happy to learn that it's got a third season. I mean, Jeremy Nerner was Emmy nominated because of it. So, yeah, that's true. Somebody must have Congratulations. All right, let's move on into the last section here, which is movies. And our, we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. All right. Your number one movie, surefire horror movie hit of the year, The Nun 2, which debuted to $32 million. It's almost that season. Spooky season is almost upon us. Number two, The Equalizer 3 with another $12 million. That's at 61 total. Number three, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. A lot of threes happening here. $10 million in its debut. Eh, just a shrug, I guess, from audiences. Number four, Jawan with $6 million, I guess, in its debut. That's at 7.4. That is an international film that is making its U.S. debut. Uh Aha. And then rounding out your top five, Barbie with another 5.7 million. That's at a cool 620. Upcoming this week, only one re- uh, one release for you, A Haunting in Venice. So more horror scary business going into your spooky season. Technically, there is an animated film called The Inventor about Leonardo da Vinci coming out starring Matt Matthew Barry and Daisy Ridley and Marion Cotillard, but I have yet to see an actual trailer for that. So it may not actually be coming out, is my guess. Yes, yeah, it says what's come out, but yeah, your big film is Hercule Poirot once again solving a murder mystery this time in Venice, and it's spooky, and it could be a ghost this time. Who did it? Probably not. You no, can't arrest never, a ghost. Ooh. It's never a ghost. It's never a ghost. All right, let's move on. Our first story in movie news this week is an update about the WGA. According to the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, on Friday night, 
The studios all remain aligned, even though that's not what the WGA has been saying, and pushed the Writers Guild to respond to its latest offer. They were responding to the WGA's call earlier in the day for one or more of the member companies to break away from the alliance and negotiate a separate deal. The WGA suggested that some of the legacy studios may be willing to accommodate the writers' demands. In its statement earlier in the day, the WGA said that the AMPTP has refused to budge from its August 11th offer. They said that the Guild has not yet responded on several issues and said that the Guild has remained entrenched, quote, in its demand for mandatory minimum staffing on TV shows. So basically what's happening here is the WGA had become convinced, according to some things that they had heard from certain studio execs, that some studios were ready to go on the new deal and be mm-hmm. a little bit more, listen to a little bit more of the WJ's concern. However, the AMPTP, in order to save face, has to say that they're aligned. Otherwise, they seem a weak organization, right? Like, they don't right. want to appear weak in deal- dealing with the WGA. They are as alike as Drew Barrymore is with the WGA. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, who do you, out of curiosity, who do you think these studios that actually wanted to play ball are? Because I bet they're not Disney or Warner. <laughs> nope, it's definitely Peacock and NBC. It's, it's definitely it's Universal. Comcast. It's definitely yep. uh, a Paramount. It's one of those two. It's the studios that are smaller fish that want to be like, no, we need to get this going and we'll give you what you want. They can't hold out as long as the Disney's of the world can. I wonder, oh, well, because Apple's not a part of this because they're not a part of the. They're not a member. Yeah. yeah, they're not a member. So, yeah, so like them and Netflix are doing their own thing in streaming, so they're not a part of it. Right. Um, they're so what they're referring to in the that August 11th offer mm-hmm. is a 69 page document that was sent to the WGA to review. They reviewed it, they sent back a four page offer. That's cut out a lot of the bullshit and said, right. this is what we are looking for. Don't send us a 69-page fluff piece right. when we want these specific demands. Yeah, this is all and we're asking that's for, the yeah. impasse that they are at right now. Yeah. And, and that's I, why there's that's yeah. why the AAPTP is saying that, well, they're not addressing the other 65 pages that we sent them. <laughs> Even though those other 65 pages are, no, 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 you suck. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know you had uh, access to to it. Wow, you read the whole <laughs> thing. Wow, it's a lot of na na nas. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, we'll of course have updates as they happen, but yeah, this is going to be a stalemate for a while. And we this is as we head into the holiday season, fall and winter here, where if we don't hear anything come end of October, you're not going to see anything until probably February after the holidays. No, it's going to be a dark time. All right. Speaking of dark times, actually, no. Uh, this is actually kind of a fun story, if a bit of an expensive one. Disney is hoping that you like them still enough that you will enjoy celebrating their 100-year anniversary with them. I do like that they're doing this. However, I don't like that they didn't call it The Vault. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy. Also, I know. if they called it The Vault, Song of the South would have to be on here. Yeah, kind of. If not. Anyway... Yes, they're celebrating their 100 years with a the release of the Disney Legacy Animated Film Collection, which includes 100 animated films from Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Disney Toon Studios, and Pixar that will be released later this year. 
There are a few Disney animated features produced outside of its animation studios, including Henry Selleck's The Nightmare Before Christmas and his live-action animation hybrid James and the Giant Peach, as well as Tim Burton's sorely underrated, according to whoever wrote this, Frankenweenie. The collection is filled with original poster designs and comes with digital codes for every movie, alongside a lithograph from Disney's upcoming feature, Wish, as well as a certificate of authenticity and a crystal Mickey Mouse ears engraved with Disney 100 logo. The limited collection, uh, limited edition collection will be available on November 14th with pre-orders beginning on walmart.com on September 18th and has a retail price of a drum roll, please. $1,500. So roughly $15 per film. Yes. So that's $15 per Blu-ray. Yes. Plus digital codes, plus the very expensive, I assume, and not cheap crystal Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah. Plus so, the um all the box that it comes with and everything. Right. So yes. Yeah. yeah. $1500 for 100 Blu-rays yeah. of Disney films. I mean, I think I know who I think they know who they're marketing to. They're marketing to the people who already are getting like D23 magazine and go to the, the the expo every year and are season pass holders. It's like there is a certain Disney fan that will absolutely spend the money on this. It's like one annual pass. <laughs> but for a hundred movies you get to keep. See, if I can like buy this, but then make payments on a monthly basis for a full year. Then yeah, that's more reasonable. Yeah. Like a hundred, what? Like like a hundred ten dollars right. a month for a full year. I mean, if yeah. we go, like, if we went like halvesies on this, right? Like, then maybe, maybe, because oh. that's the thing. Is I thought about it, and somebody thankfully did the math for me, so I didn't have to do this. Well, how much Disney Plus, a place where all of these things are available, costs in comparison to this? Someone did the math, and apparently it would be thirteen years. Of Disney Plus subscription, even in the ad-free tier, the one we both pay for, mm-hmm. in order to get to the amount of this. Yes. Do you get to keep these Blu-rays longer than 13 years? Of course you can. Also, is Disney Plus going to exist in 13 years? Who the hell knows? So yes, there are some ifs and question marks in that. But still, 13 years when I already have access to all this stuff and pretty much the same quality, I know. Don't yell at me, people who are like, oh, but the bit rate is bad in streaming. I know all that. I obviously know all that. I'm listening to the uh, I'm listening to you on Sennheiser headphones using a like using a recently bought headphone app. I know how bit rate and streaming works. You don't need to explain to me. However, to me, financially, I am not spending fifteen hundred dollars on something that's marginally better when I could just continue having access to Disney Plus, a thing that I can just press a button and pull these movies up. Yes, but what is it that we say constantly on this podcast? I know. But. Physical media. Physical media. And I think it's cool that they're doing this because it is kind of anti-Disney in a way. Like, of being like, hey, you don't have to pay us this monthly rate. We're just going to give you a one-time fee to access all this stuff. An essential Disney vault of our movies. But it's just so expensive. And that's a lot of movies that you have to find a place for. So... Well, it comes in its own like three vault case. Yes, the yeah. case itself is huge. There's a whole like video on it. Um, <laughs> but to have the actual physical media of it, but you do have to then ask yourself: one, do I have a Blu-ray player or something to play Blu-rays? <laughs> and then two, it's 2023. 
Blu-rays have been around for what? 15 years now? 15 years. Good 15 years? How much longer do they have until the next thing comes? If there is going to be a next thing. Well, that's the thing is there already is a next thing. These aren't it. They could have done 4K UHDs of this. Yes, these are not yes, these are not they 4K. Didn't. These are they just didn't. standard def HD. Yeah, HD. Like if it's a possible, if it's an HD, it can be. Otherwise, if it's well, not, it's not. The assumption when you buy a Blu-ray is that it has been uprest. Uh, that's yes. the assumption that they're using the film cuts of this. Of course, the question about some of them that were hybrid film and uh, DVD releases, like the Planes movies, which are on here for some stupid reason. Yes. <laughs> like then maybe it brings that into question. There are also some movies here that were only, that are actually here in Blu-ray form for only the second time. Someone pointed out that there had only been a limited Disney movie club Blu-ray of The Black Cauldron before this. This is an actual Black Cauldron Blu-ray. Um, and also, I think they were saying like The Jungle Book 2 or something like that. I don't know. There was a, mm-hmm. a few of these that this is their first major release on Blu-ray, which is kind of impressive that Disney went to the work doing it. But still, it goes, it'll be it's, up to you whether it's worth it or not. It spans everything from Snow White through, I think, number 100 they're listening at as Elemental. Elemental is the last film on the on the, on yes. the series, yeah. So, so yeah, and it does have a lot of, of surprising entrance. I mentioned the Plains movies, but there's also, like, things like uh, Peter, Man, P- Peter Pan 2, because I guess that was a theatrical release. Yep. There's stuff uh, like Tinkerbell's in here too. A goofy movie, um, but not an here. extremely goofy movie. No, because that was directed to t- DVD that did not get a film release or yep. direct to VHS at that point, actually. Yes, which is why you need to remind people that these are the film releases. <laughs> right. Shake them when they say, Oh, why isn't oh, this yeah. on there? Why isn't, that why on isn't there? Lion these King are... 2 on here? Why is Return of Jafar on here? It's like, you idiots. <laughs> this is film animated release theatrical release animated films so yeah it is what it is it's for the collectors it's not necessarily for the people who are disney plus subscribers and only disney plus casual watchers so i'm glad it exists but also it's just such a hefty price tag for something like this if maybe we had like a third person to go in on and we split it three ways. That's still like five hundred. Each one gets a each one gets her own vault. <laughs> it's like yeah, like um, then it's like oh, it becomes like almost like a library that we're sharing. Then maybe, but like that's even like splitting hairs. At that yeah, point. but then we just become that uh, Simpsons episode where they buy Radioactive Man number one. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> become three men in a Disney Disney vault set. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I know who it, this is for. I'm going to put this on my Christmas list list. <laughs> Send it to my uh, rich, fancy uncle that doesn't know that I exist and say, hey, can you buy this for me? <laughs> Boom, he for Christmas, know he... please? Yeah, if he doesn't know you exist, and that might be a little hard. <laughs> Go hold three. Oh, see, this, this is how you uh, get over the guilt of him not knowing me for so long. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so that's that story. That's it for movie stories. Anything else before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, we are concluded then with 400 episodes hey we did it hey, and if you've been with us for this long thank you whether you've listened to episode one episode 200 episode 398 if you just <laughs> happened to stumble us and found us and say hey i want to listen to you guys to your 400th episode <laughs> thank you so much uh 
we know at least one of you who's out there listening to us. Yeah, at least one. So that's <laughs> something. That's a little feather in our cap there. So yes, thank you for listening to 400 episodes of the Media Boat Podcast. This has been um, another one of those. Um, you can listen to another one next week. If you want to listen to our podcast, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can watch them in video form on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast, you can find our channel there. Like, subscribe, leave comments, click the bell for notifications when new videos go up. Whatever you want to do, do it. Then we also have uh, audio versions of the podcast on podcast services such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts, search Media Boat Podcast. Then you can also find us on the web, mediaboatpodcast.com is where you can see an archive of our shows, as well as some write-ups like my write-up of Olivia Rodrigo's Guts that went live this week. You can also find us on social media services like the artist formerly known as Twitter. We're Media Boat Cast on there. We're on Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page there. And we're on uh, uh, Twitch where we're streaming video games every once in a while. I was considering doing more Goodbye Volcano High today, uh, tonight, but I probably won't. I feel a little tired. I might just eat dinner and play more Starfield. So, uh, without having to stream it. So, uh, yeah, look forward to maybe Thursday. Maybe I'll jump back into Goodbye Volcano High uh, Chapter 4. No, 3. 3 on uh, on Thursday, then. That's at twitch.tv slash mediavote uh, for when we do video games. Then, we're also on Discord if you want to search disc, uh, for our Discord. That's Media Boat Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll have another show for you guys next week at our usual time. So tune in then. We'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, more of us. Um, we'll have actual thoughts probably on the After Party finale. We'll have lots of music thoughts. <laughs> There's so many albums coming out. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that we got to find at least one thing to listen to. <laughs> uh, yeah, and more of us. So thank you for listening to us for 400 episodes. We'll be lucky and happy. I think happy if we end up doing <laughs> this for 400 more. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Have a good week, everybody. See you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye.